0: Okay, kids, you want to go to the back? Uh, There'll be some special activities for you there. Let me pray before we uh, consider God's Word further together. Heavenly Father, thank you for these uh, stories that Jesus told, made-up stories, Uh, which tell us an important truth. Uh, Therefore, as we reflect on this parable together this morning, uh, may the truth of this parable burn ever brighter uh, and inform our hearts and minds and our life, we pray. Amen. If you were to die tonight and then to stand before God, and he was to ask you that question, why? Should I let you into heaven? What would be your response? It's to this sort of issue that Jesus speaks. At verse 9. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other A tax collector. Let's consider each of these in turn, the Pharisee and the tax collectors. Firstly, the Pharisee. Uh, A Pharisee was a bit like you could say a high churchman. Uh, The Pharisee movement actually sprang up uh, in what's called the intertestamental period. That is the period, probably about 400 years in duration, uh, between the end of the Old Testament history and the beginning of the New Testament. This Pharisee movement was very concerned about the decline of religion amongst the Jewish peoples and the neglect of God's law. The Pharisee actually means set apart ones, and they were committed and totally devoted to keeping the law of God so as to restore righteousness to the land. So you see, uh, they had in their roots uh, a good beginning. But sadly, uh, they went off the rails as a movement. Uh, Soon, they became so caught up in their passion to observe the law that they lost sight of the message and the purpose of the law. They started to have confidence in their own ability to keep the law. Of course, when we get to the New Testament, uh, what does the Apostle Paul say is one of the functions of the law, the primary function? It really is to act like a mirror. Uh, It shows us the holiness of God and also, therefore, our unholiness before him, in contrast. So the law was to be like a mirror, showing us how far short we fall of God's glory, how unable we are to keep his law. Uh, The law had this purpose of, uh, in a sense, being a bit like a tutor, uh, directing us to the one who could forgive us our transgressions. Uh, that is Christ. But the Pharisees, rather than seeing in the mirror what they were supposed to see, saw their own self-righteousness. And they became smug, and they became very confident, and we would say overconfident, in their moral achievements. Pretty soon, uh, they had this spirit of being aloof from everybody else in the land. Now, one of the insidious ideas that developed amongst the Pharisees was justification by segregation. They felt they were justified, that means made right with God, by segregation. They thought that if only they could keep themselves separate from anyone who was polluted, they would be all right, who was morally polluted. And we see this Pharisee here having this sort of very superior attitude. He thanks God, and he quotes a portion of the prayer from the Talmud. And he thanks God that he is set apart from, in particular, this morally corrupt taxpayer, uh, tax collector. Verse 11. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Uh, His prayer was effectively there, but for the grace of God go I. It's them over there, the extortioners, adulterers, tax collectors. And of course we know, don't we, that the tax collectors really were, in Jewish society, the lowest form of life possible. Uh, they were effectively the quislings, the traitors. Uh, they collected taxes for the oppressive Roman governments of the day. And they also extorted from their fellow countrymen. Uh, they took more than they should. They were corrupt and they drained their fellow countrymen dry. And therefore, of course, tax collectors were the most hated people in the nation. And yet in contrast to that, this Pharisee uh, extols his own self-righteousness. Verse 12. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. He was being very, very religious. He fasted, he tithed, he gave a tenth of all his income. He was truly a religious man. But actually... Uh, This Pharisee, we're going to see, made two fundamental mistakes. Uh, Firstly, he had a distorted understanding of what justification requires. He thought he could be justified through his own efforts to be moral. Uh, We're told that Jesus spoke these words to those who were confident in their own righteousness to make them justified before God. And this continues to be the danger throughout the centuries since. Uh, many people today assume that uh, God grades on a curve. Uh, they say, well, as long as my sin is not as bad as my neighbor's, I can be confident in my standing before God. Uh, my goodness will get me past God's judgment throne. When we look at other religions, what do we see? How do they operate? Other religions tend to have this idea of the scales of justice. Uh, If our good deeds outweigh our bad deeds, basically we're going to get in. But that is completely contrary to the Bible's view of how we can be right with God. The Bible says, no, it's not that our good outweighs the bad. The Bible says that we have to be perfect to be right with God. Uh, His law is holy and we are not. The psalmist was a realist, if you recall. The psalmist said, Oh God, if you were to mark our transgressions, who would stand? Who would be left standing? No one of us can possibly pass the bar of God's justice based on our performance. We cannot do it. We assume that we're going to enter heaven because we have lived a good life or tried to live a good life or tried to live a better life than those around us But you see, that is the most fatal mistake of all. And the Pharisee made a second mistake that was even worse than the first. He had a greatly exaggerated view of his own achievement. You see, even if it were possible to make it into heaven by our own efforts, which it's not, the Pharisee had this greatly exaggerated view of his moral goodness. You see, the reality is that uh, even our good deeds are corrupt often in their motives. There's no ultimately pure good deed. Uh, The Apostle Paul in Romans says, there are none who do good, not even one. Uh, When we read that in Romans, we say, surely it can't be that bad. But the point is this. Uh, God not only considers what we do, but our motives for doing it. And when we look at the Bible, the standard for a purely good work is to have a heart which is 100% dedicated to God. That is the greatest commandment, of course, to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind and our strength. Can we truly say that any of our good works are purely motivated by a pure love for God? Every deed we do falls short of his standard. Often our good deeds have some self-interest woven into the motive for which we do them. Uh, This Pharisee, therefore, was misguided in every regard about his standing before God. That's the first person, the, the Pharisee. Let's move on to look at the tax collector. Because he stands in stark contrast. Look at verse 13. But the tax collector stood at a distance... He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. That beautiful hymn, Rock of Ages, uh, has those memorable lines. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. The Pharisee was bringing something in his hand. He was bringing his fasting, his tithing his church attendance, and yet the tax collector came with empty hands, nothing to contribute to his own salvation. The only thing he brought was his plea for mercy. He knew who he was, and he knew what he was. He had no delusions of any phony righteousness before a holy God like the Pharisee. And the Bible tells us that the only hope we have of being standing righteous before God is if God clothes us with the righteousness with which we need. Uh, The Bible says that that is what Jesus does. When anyone comes to him in faith, it's as if he puts his perfect life record, which he lived in this earth for 33 years, onto us. There is a swap which happens. Uh, I don't know if you've ever received one of those um, invitations to a very swanky uh, dinner party. And it says at the bottom, uh, black jacket required. Black jacket required. If you turn up without a black jacket, you're not going to get in. Now, most of you today are not going to get into any black jacket required. Maybe Hugh would. You're not looking too bad there, actually. Uh, Angela, well, it's it's a sort of black chase jacket, but... Imagine that none of us are wearing black jackets today. A black jacket required. Pat, you're not going to get in. But I do have a black jacket. And Pat, Christ can give this to you. You can have the black jacket which will get you in to heaven's party. Actually, I would like that back later. But that's what happens when we come to faith in Christ. He gives us the jacket of his righteousness. He clothes us in that righteousness. And it is a beautiful thing he does. And it's the only thing which makes it possible for us to enter heaven. The Pharisee thought he had the jacket, but he didn't. He just didn't see his sin problem for what it was. There's a true story of a a preacher who had uh, just given a good old... uh, A sermon on uh, the the horrors of sin and all its murky blackness. Uh, He'd been preaching from uh, the truth of the Bible on the sin. And when it came to the end of the service, everyone was filing out of the church. And one sweet old lady comes up to the door and she says to him, You made me feel that small today. And he said, Madam, that's still too big. You won't get in even if you feel that small. He said, Madam, don't you know that that much self-righteousness will send you to hell forever. You see, anyone who is trusting in their own accomplishments, their own goodness, their works, they're no different from the Pharisee. And the Pharisee went home, we're told, unjustified, that means not right with God. Who was the one we're told went home justified? It was, surprise, surprise, the tax collector, the one who trusted in God's grace and God's grace alone. The Pharisee, he tried to keep God's law and thought that in so doing, he would be made right before God. He didn't look in the mirror of the law. He didn't see the law for what it was. Showing God's perfect holiness and his unholiness. And it is only when somebody comes and utters those words which this tax collector utters that they have any chance of being made righteous in God's sight. Verse 14. I tell you that this man... Rather than the other, went home justified before God. So, it is he who is made right with God. It is he who utters those beautiful words Please forgive me, a sinner. The parable closes with a warning from Jesus. It says this For everybody who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Anyone who says, I don't need to humble myself before God, I am good enough to get in. Well, ultimately, they will be humbled. At the gates of heaven, they will be turned away. Because their response to that question, Why should I let you into heaven? It's flawed, because I have lived a good life, because I have tried my best, but your best has not been good enough. The only response which will enable the doors of heaven to open will be when that person says, because I said to Christ, please forgive me, a a, a sinner. And that is what we are acknowledging today in this baptism service That is Nicole's story. We're going to hear shortly of Nicole's personal journey of coming to faith in Christ. And part of that journey is her seeing her need for Christ and seeing her sin for what it is in all its murky darkness. And her humbling herself and saying, please forgive me, a sinner. And the moment she did that, The black jacket to enter the party became hers. She was clothed in Christ's righteousness. Let us pray. (coughs) Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for this simple story which relates to us a profound truth about how we can be made right with you. It takes away any delusions we may have of our own ability to enter through those wonderful gates of heaven based on our own efforts. It uh, removes from us uh, any self-confidence we may have in our own righteousness. And it points us to Christ, the one who alone can clothe us with the righteousness, the perfect righteousness we need to enter your kingdom and ultimately to enter heaven. Uh, Thank you for your work in Nicole's life. And how you have done that wonderful work of opening her eyes to this reality of what we have seen in your word today. And moving her to the point through the work of your spirit and your word in her heart. of bringing her to that point where she has reached out and embraced Christ. And said those beautiful words. Please forgive me a sinner. Amen.